welcome to episode 40 of the Avatar Hour podcast, your ultimate companion podcast for the world of Avatar. I'm Kayla. And I'm Andre. And get your tissues ready because this week we'll be recapping episodes 215, Tales of Boss Sing Say, and 216, Appa's Lost Days from season two of Avatar The Last Airbender. Oh boy, here we go. Now, before we start, we do want to warn you that this podcast will be mentioning spoilers for Avatar The Last Airbender, The Legend of Korra, and The Rise of Kiyoshi. However, you are free from spoilers about The Shadow of Kiyoshi as well as any Avatar Universe comic books. So, Andre, how are we doing this week? 40 episodes, huh? Yeah! We're almost to 50. Crazy, we got this thing special for that. Yeah, I don't think we're gonna reach fifty this season, because um, we're we're almost well, done with season two, and we've got we've got two extra topic episodes. We're doing two extra topic episodes next month to make up for the fact that we're not doing one this month, because we we really want to finish up season two of Atla. But yeah, forty episodes. Great, it is a strange feeling to be thinking that we're coming up on like the one year anniversary of this podcast. Like we're yeah. we're not quite there yet, but we're getting pretty damn close. It is basically summertime you know like yeah super exciting graduation season all that stuff going on so yeah uh, well apart from that um there's a gas shortage going on right now oh boy and um people are acting just as stupid as they were when there was a toilet paper shortage (sighs) i got a text from my mom on tuesday that hey you should go get gas while you can because there's a gas shortage i'm like oh shit and then I got in my car. I was like, I had more than half of gas. So I just wanted to like top it off. I was like, okay, that's fine. I, I went and there was the longest line I've ever seen in a gas station. And I was watching people like fill literally half a dozen gas canisters with gasoline. That's literally an episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. People were acting like I it was the fucking end of the world. I fucking Again. T- People were screaming at each other. Like they would get cut in line and they would be like, like almost like about to fight. Like there are people running everywhere. I'm just like, what is it's just it's just gas but i kid you not this is literally the premise of an episode of it's always sunny in philadelphia like it's the gang solves the gas crisis and they literally like do the exact same thing they get cans of gas from you know and they and they fill them up at the gas station and they sell them like (laughs) to the highest bidder yeah, it's literally the premise of an It's Always Sunny episode. And I love It's Always Sunny. So, so go go watch that if you haven't already. They got some interesting episodes for sure. <laughs> yeah, it, it it reminds me of, of early quarantine because I'm kind of not going anywhere to save on gas because I don't know, you know, how long this will last. I mean, like the government says, like, it, it will it be it'll be fixed by like Monday. I'm like, OK, but we don't know that. We're also technically in a state of emergency in Virginia because because oh, of the gas boy. shortage. Um, So I don't really know. I don't know what like gas prices are like. I just haven't been out, so I've just I've just been saving my gas for like emergencies. But yeah. But apart from that, how are you doing, Kayla? I'm good. You know, like school starting up again for me next week. I'm graduating this weekend, so a big weekend uh, for you. It is a big weekend, and you know my family is going to be there, and you know Mylon Pushkar or Mylon Pushkar, however the frick they pronounce the person's last name. It's at the football stadium. It's the football stadium. Yeah. I'm going to the football stadium to graduate. Rain or shine. They're going to give us free ponchos if it rains. Like it's, it's there. Like this is happening. Whether you like it or not. You know, okay, yeah, you signed exactly. up for this. Like, yeah, they're not rescheduling. Sounds about right. No. But yeah, that's exciting. Thanks. Yeah, I'm excited about it. And, you know, I start my grad school program literally two days later and my new job and all that. So you know, good stuff happening. Things Exciting stuff. Fast. Big changes. Yeah, big changes. But you know, it's 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 exciting. You know, to see get like a, shake things up a little. You know. Awesome. Cool. 
Well, before we um we start openly sobbing on the podcast, we do have one small news item. Um, Dark Horse Comics will be hosting a panel discussion and a live reading of Toph Beifong's Metal Bending Academy with voice actors from the original show. Michaela Murphy will be voicing Toph. Jenny Kwan will be voicing Suki, and Jack DeSena will be voicing Sokka once again. Um, they will also be joined by the comic book creators Faith Aaron Hicks and Peter Wartman. Um, this will be streaming on May 19th, and you will be able to watch it on uh, Twitch and YouTube. Nice. They did something similar with um, Turf Wars, with bringing you know Janet Varney and uh, Seychelle Gabriel back for as Cora and Asami for mm-hmm. for that. And trust and believe, I watched the hell out of that. <laughs> uh, but that's, I mean, it's just cool to see them come back and voice their characters again. You know, like reading something canon. I think that is so cool. And maybe they'll be fans who reanimate some of the stuff. I don't know. There's some cool yeah. fans out there who do this stuff. <laughs> and it, well, it also and it just also proves that they're they're still really in love with avatar and really still want to be involved with it which i mean you can't really say for a lot of shows actually like normally the case is actors finish a show and then they never want to associate with it again aka game of thrones um but (laughs) well let's talk well here's the thing game of thrones ended up being a little different it's not the same but yeah (laughs) it's not the same but yeah but that's cool i wish i i would watch the live stream but i want to save the comic book for the show yeah but yeah definitely check that out that's wednesday may 19th on twitch and youtube nice nice all right should Uh, we do it (laughs) yeah get into it (laughs) so when andre texted me earlier this week you're just like so which uh which episode do you want to do do you want to do tale of the bossing say or you know which one do you want to cover and so uh we posted this exchanged on our social media accounts and it was uh, like and i replied this is like asking if you want to get your heart ripped out with pliers or a melon ball or you know like either way it's gonna it's gonna hurt a little bit uh so you really really took one for the team on this one (laughs) i i did i ended up doing so i well here let's get started 215 tales of bossing say aka the one that has leaves from the vine in it (laughs) all right well this episode is structured a little bit differently than a typical avatar episode instead of you know the usual a pot a a pot a plot let's (laughs) use proper words today a plot b plot and you know maybe something on the side uh, this episode split it into six different stories, focusing on individual stories of Toph and Katara, Iroh, Zuko, Sokka, Aang, and even Momo gets his own story. Yeah, can I say this is, like, my least watched episode of Avatar? Because I am under the impression that they aired this once and then they never aired it again. Because <laughs> I don't remember watching this episode as a kid, like, at all. Like, I only watched it... Honestly, like a couple years ago when my when my college roommates and I were doing like a full rewatch, but I mm. I I just I do not remember a lot of things that happened there. Uh, particularly like the Aang story, I don't remember that ever happening. Not gonna lie, I actually like I remember watching this episode when I did watch the full series for the first time. Mm. Um and I remember watching up until Sokka's and then when I got into Aang's, I'm like, "Okay, I'm done with this, you know. Yeah. I think this is this is fine." Um, well, at the so, at the end of this, I want to I want to discuss the filler aspect of of uh, this episode, yeah. but we'll get there. But I mean, all things considered, it was definitely a little bit different. Uh, they tried something, you know. I mean, you know, they tried doing a different style of storytelling with these six short stories. Mm-hmm. So I'll give them that. 
Um, so the first tale is uh, Toph and Katara, which starts out in the gang's house in the upper ring of Ba Sing Se. So Aang and Sokka are shaving, Katara's doing her hair, and even Momo's grooming himself. You know, kind of like a bit of a, a day in the life kind of situation here. Yeah, and I really like this because it's a really nice touch to show that the characters are like in their world are actual people that do stuff like this to like kind of like maintain their appearance. Because, you know, in cartoons... Like normally, it's just like a cookie cutter one costume, and they stay like that for re- for the rest of the show, right? Which but, is what they do here. <laughs> which I mean, yeah, but not most for the, the whole show, you know, like most of it, most of it, but not the whole show. But yeah. the, I do like this because it it does does show that there is a whole lot of stuff going on off screen that we we don't see, which includes like just the general like stuff we do as people, which is like getting our shit together for the day. Yeah, exactly. Um, meanwhile, while everyone else is getting ready, uh, Toph is still sleeping in, hasn't gotten ready at all. Uh, Katara, after seeing Toph covered in a healthy coating of earth, as she describes it, uh, she suggests a girl's day out, which honestly kind of repulses Toph. Um, but they go anyway. So they go to this spot where Toph is still not 100% on board with the situation, but she's like, okay, I'm fine with this as long as we don't touch my feet. And then, you know, cut to them, like, touching her, you know, trying to scrape at, like, her foot and stuff like that. Yeah. She ends up just, like, she ends up destroying a wall and yeets one of the spot workers across the room. How did they not get, how they, like, didn't get kicked out of the spot after that, I will never know. Yeah. <laughs> It implies um, that this is not the first time that this has happened. Probably not, no. But also, I don't know if they also recognize her as one of the Beifongs or if she flashed, like, the Beifong, you know, card. Probably. Honestly, she probably would. Yeah. She would get away with more if, when she, if she did that, so that would make sense. They probably got this whole thing for your charge. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, And, like, they get, like, a nice mud bath, and Todd, like, scares one of the workers off after, like, earthbending the mud to make a creepy face <laughs> out of it, you know. And that, that made me laugh, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, the girls leave the spa all dolled up and pretty with makeup on. And in the end, Toph's okay with the, you know, the spa day experience and getting, you know, getting pampered a little bit. Yeah, I uh, love I love that after, like, their rocky start that Katara and Toph are, are starting to, like, you know, really like each other and spend time together as characters. Um, but I don't know if you noticed this, but in that scene particularly, like, after the spa, the... The animation for the lips is like super off. Did you notice that? No, I didn't actually. If you go back um, and watch it, it like keeps moving when she's not talking and like not and like pausing, which it hmm. stood out to me because that is never like an issue with Avatar. And I don't know. I don't know. I want to know what the original line was. <laughs> like, I wonder if they they had to change it. Tough swears. Tough swears. And... Yeah, she. Yeah, it's just full like swear word after swear word just after swear, swear word. word. She ended up hating the spa actually. Um, no, I did, that was just something I noticed. I was like, oh, that's that's weird. Hmm. That never happens in Avatar, hmm. but it's fine. Well, I mean, yeah, that's inter- that is interesting. Um, well, then of course the Mean Girls come and ruin the fun. The plastic show up, or the Avatar <laughs> universe the version of the Heather's show up yeah. and just ruin their fun. They insult Toph's makeup, but then Toph gets revenge by Earth bending a hole in the bridge that they're crossing and drops them into the pond below. You better work. <laughs> the guitar joins in on this, you know, and she just water bends a wave and sends them downstream. Like you did, you know, a picture of like Lucille Blue from uh, Arrested Development. Good for her. Yeah, <laughs> like. <laughs> That's literally what's happening right 
Yes, love it. Oh my god. Katara then tries to comfort Toph, who, and she replies that one of the good things about being blind is not having to waste time worrying about her appearance. Toph says that she knows who she is, and Katara says that she admires that a lot about her, and then tells her that she does look beautiful. Uh, Toph then says she returned the compliment, but she has no idea what Katara looks like, and they walk off. And like you said before, Andre, it's really sweet to see them, like, connect because we've seen a lot of times when they're in a scene together they always like they kind of butt heads quite a bit because they're both very stubborn people Mm -hmm. um but just seeing them you know kind of come together it's sweet you know yeah they are very they're polar opposites in almost every single way i think the only real similarity they share is that they're both very powerful benders but in this episode you get to see that actually they 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 have like a, a solid amount of affection and care for each other so yeah. And they just show it in different ways, you know? Absolutely. I mean, you see Top like, just punch Katara in the arm a little too hard toward the end. There. Yeah, that's, like, a big hug for her, you know? Oh, my God, absolutely. Man. All right, now who's ready for some emotional pain? <laughs> I, getting... I I want to say this. I was not... <laughs> I was not prepared because I thought that Leaves from the Vine was like the last tale. And then no, it was like I wrote, I'm like, oh, oh God, I'm not Number two. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. Second one. No, like I thought they'd build up to it too, because you know, it's one of the better stories of this, you know, short story mm-hmm. anthology. Um, but nope, they put it second. I don't know why. It was an interesting choice on their part, but let's just keep it's not our choice. Let's just roll with it and comment on it later. Yeah. Uh so Iroh is walking through town and he picks up a basket and the seller asks him what it's for, and he says it's for a special occasion. Um now I just want to say I kind of wish that I could kind of erase my memory of this episode to like because I did not know what this this was coming when I watched this episode because I wasn't really involved in the fandom when I watched it for the first time. Yeah. So I kind of wish that like I didn't know what was coming because mm-hmm. um, like it's it's actually kind of a sweet story. And then it gets turned to an absolute emotional, emotional gut punch towards the end there. So while he makes his way around the shops, um, a little boy starts crying and his mother tries to comfort him. Uh, Iroh then grabs a nearby instrument and starts singing to the little boy leaves from the vine. Um, now I hadn't even fuck. I'm gonna, I feel it already. I feel it. Uh, like so, it's so well up my eyes now. I hate this. I hadn't even gotten to the end, but this is where I started choking up. This just one part is you know kind of cute moment, and here I am just anyway. Uh, but this is a it makes me cry, but the boy cheers up, so that's great, I guess. I would have I would have done the same thing if the the boy crying <laughs> didn't trigger my fight or fight response. So, yeah. <laughs> that's a little bit. Um, the boy ends up you know getting cheered up because of the nice little song that Iroh sings to him, and he walks away with his mom. Uh, then Iroh is watching some boys play this soccer like game or football in some countries, um, and one of the boys kicks the ball into the window and shatters it. Um, he then tells, Iroh then tells him it's probably best to admit their mistakes when they happen and, you know, be honorable. And then the person whose window is broken says, the window won't be the only thing that's broken when I'm done with you. Yeah. And then I was like, in this case, it's best to run. Like, you know, so they, they just scramble, they scatter. Um, and then Iroh runs to an alleyway to hide and then gets threatened at knife point by a mugger whose stance is absolutely god awful. Um, he is not worried for his safety as all at all. I, he even corrects the guy's stance. Like, yeah, I snorted when it like zoomed out and he was like standing was, like with like, his like ar- like, like feet like knees. pointed in. <laughs> like, oh my god! Um, and like he corrects the guy's stance 
before, well, before, like, before he corrects the guy's stance, he easily disarms him and points out, like, here's how you could actually be, like, a formidable fighter here. Mm-hmm. And then Ira then tells him that he doesn't look the criminal type. Meanwhile, this is just confusing the hell out of the mugger, because let's face it, he is not expecting this kind of response. Um, and then Ira makes him a pot of tea and encourages him to follow his dreams. Like, <laughs> plot twist. Um, I, and he actually I he actually has a really nice, has a good, good piece of advice and like always has good advice, but this is one in particular that I keep seeing people throw around is, oh, it's always best to believe in oneself. A little help from others can be a great blessing. Like, mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. <sighs> and then he reached the chart where he climbs up this hill and there's a tree at the top. Uh, and this is when all the Avatar fans just start crying because we know what's coming. Iroh sets up this picnic and then uh, puts a little memorial to his son, Lu Ten, in case y'all forgot, he died in the siege of Ba Sing Se. Um, and the special occasion Iroh was talking about at the beginning of the episode was um, his son's birthday. And so he says to the memorial, happy birthday, my son, if only I could have helped you. And just thinking about how he says in season one that Zuko... You know, after losing his son, Zuko is like his son. And just like, if only I could have helped you, just like, it just shows how much it really just kind of adds an extra emotional nail to like, yeah, what he wants to do for Zuko. Um, <laughs> did not expect to get this. Fuck. <laughs> you didn't? <laughs> I didn't expect the, I didn't expect to get like talking about it. I'm not even watching it right I know. now. I just it, pictured the scene. For, for me, it's, it's oh. when. Everything about the scene is perfect, but I really have to point out the animation here because they're pulling out all the stops to get like the most emotional payoff possible. For me, it's when the leaves start falling around him. And it's like, I don't know what it is about that simple. It's like not a whole, it's not something we like often see in animation, but it's like the way it's animated and like the setting sun and like the city behind him. And it's just like, the reason why I think this episode, this particular tale works so well is that it exemplifies like all the best parts and one of the worst parts about Iris' character because it shows how how much wisdom he imparts, how much he cares about people who he doesn't even know, and how he generally has a very positive outlook on life and that he believes that all people need is just a little support and a little love, right? But then to mm-hmm. end the episode with... What Iroh believes is one of his greatest failures, losing his son, that like retroactively informs why he became that person. Because we do get we do get the implication that he was a much more different person before his son died. Like maybe mm-hmm. not on the level of Ozai, but you know, kind of coming from that same place of the imperialist Fire Nation general, right? But Absolutely. after losing something personal to him. I think that's when he started questioning everything. That's when he he really took to Zuko. And I think a lot of a lot of the things that happens in this episode mirrors him uh his and Zuko's dynamic as well. Like Absolutely. the thing about like all sometimes sometimes all you need is just a little help from others or um if you mess up it's best to admit your, your mistakes and regain your honor. Like it's exactly. little it's little hints to him and yeah. I, him and Zuko's arc together. And so it's like so meticulously structured. And the reason it hits so well is that because you're seeing all these facets of Iris' character, who in his nature is an incredibly complex character that we still at the end of the day do not know a whole lot about, you know? Mm-hmm. And the fact that he is both very wise 
and very like strong and smart physically um and a great fighter but we also get like a vulnerable side to him we start to see like what's on the inside we see see him cry we see him cry and that's what that's what makes any character really good is to show all those different facets and like dimensions to the character because that's what real people are you know and i don't think Mm -hmm. i would go so far as to say that ira puts up a facade to hide that because i do think he is genuine in every sense of the word Mm -hmm. it's just that he's also not afraid to to um let himself feel those emotions the the complete opposite of what's going on with zuko because zuko doesn't let himself feel any emotion because Mm -hmm. that's how he thinks he needs to survive you know, so it's mm-hmm. it's on surface level like a very like warm and and sad episode, but there's so many things working in the background to like really make you fall in love with Iroh. Absolutely, um, and on top of all of this about Iroh's character, the episode ends with a message honoring Mako, who's Iroh's original voice actor who had passed away from cancer. Um, however, this a lot contrary to a pod. Pop- you know, popular belief. This is not his last episode as Iroh. Mm-hmm. Um, he his last episodes of the season two finale, so he managed to finish out season two before he passed. Um, but for the entirety of season three, Iroh is voiced by Greg Baldwin, who still voices Iroh. He was Iroh in in Korra, you know, all that stuff. Um, and uh, Greg Baldwin has also said that he doesn't sing "Leaves from the Vine" because he wants to honor Mako that way. Um, mm-hmm. Also, another detail about this episode is that uh, this not episode, but, you know, this story is that Iroh first helps out a toddler, then some older boys, and then a young man before going to the hill. So it's kind of like the life cycle of his son yeah. because he never got to live past being a young man. Uh, so that detail just adds on to that emotional punch towards the end there. Yep. Um, and also just, I want to get a little personal here. Uh, this story hit home personally for me. Uh, I actually got choked up twice watching this episode as I described, and I don't know, I might cry again, I don't know. But I've seen Iroh's pain before. Um, I felt it. I lost a family member myself. Uh, my cousin was probably around uh, Luten's age. He was 21. And um, just, you know, whew, uh, seeing like the looks in my grandparents' eyes because they basically helped to raise him along with my aunt uh, at his funeral. Just seeing some of the, some of my own life reflected in some things that Iroh, you know, goes through with losing his son. Um, and also this episode was particularly like personal for me because I, my family does, you know, like we honor Zach, that's my cousin's name. We honor Zach's birthday um, by going around doing nice things in honor of him. So just kind of having that kind of personal connection with the character as well. Like mm-hmm. this episode, this, this story became like super personal for me. Um, it didn't cause me more personal pain. Did it remind me of the pain that I've had in the past? Yes, but it's you know, it's kind of comforting at the same time to know that, like, you know, it's as, like, horrible it is to lose someone who was so young when they passed, uh, you know, just doing things to, help, you know, to honor their memory. It right. was it was really great to see that. <laughs> and I think I think that's why this episode hits for a lot of people as well, because there are there are so many elements and depictions of grief in the like this small, like eight minute sort of episode that it because it feels so real i think that's why people relate to it so much like we all love avatar because even though there's like fantastical things going on at the end of the day you feel like these are like real people because they 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 portray real emotions real conflict real everything you know so 
again, it's only like it's. I don't think it's it it even is eight minutes, but it's just so impactful, and probably will go down as like one of the best like mini episodes ever in TV. Absolutely, absolutely. I think we thoroughly exhausted leaves from the vine at this point. (laughs) Iris story, like, oh man. Well, let's move on to the next part of the Tales of Ba Sing Se, which is Aang's story. Um, Aang flies over Ba Sing Se, and he finds a zoo filled with animals in small cages and are malnourished. Uh, the zookeeper said that the zoo is underfunded because the Dai Li won't give any money because the kids stopped coming to the zoo. But however, he's not like a monster and wants to keep them in these cages. He actually wants them to be living in these wider pastures and having better food and treatment and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um that's good at least right away they established that he's not you know a terrible person for you know like he's not a terrible person that he wants to keep them in these horrible conditions you know Mm -hmm. um ang then suggests moving the animals to an open area just outside the city which proves to be difficult even though ang claims he's good with animals (laughs) uh animals are very difficult to control and they end up running wild all over this like over the city uh terrorizing people like hog monkeys destroy a shop uh you know just attack people cabbage guy gets the cabbage man gets his cabbages eaten by a rabaroo like he even just he even like doesn't even get like say like my he doesn't even he's just like my cat and then he just doesn't even finish it. he's like oh forget it and he just walks off like yeah oh man uh like i mean he the guy gets his cabbages destroyed between before even entering the city and then he finally gets into the city obtains more cabbages somehow and they get they get like half them get eaten by this rabbaroo no like, I, I like to think he like illegally like smuggled in cabbages <laughs> into the city after being told he can't i would not be surprised yeah this man hustles but, this man hustles hustles absolutely is this like we see him again right like because i'm like i'm trying to remember how many more times we see cabbage man off the top of my head i don't know this might be the last the last appearance at least in this I'm show. like, is this one the, is this one of the last times we see him? But we do get we do get the, the cabbage reference in Cabbage Core. Uh, yeah. in Cabbage Core and Cora, so at least there's that. But <laughs> feel free to correct us. We like cabbage guy cabbage man, you know. So anyway, Aang pulls out his bison whistle and, you know, just put gives everything he get everything he's got into blowing this freaking whistle so that way he can attract the attention of all the animals that are wreaking havoc on the city. Um, he then does an air, makes an air scooter and the animals run after him. Meanwhile, the zookeeper is just trying to get the guards to open the gate like desperately and they refuse until they see the oncoming stampede. Um, once the animals get outside the wall, Aang uses his earthbending skills to make enclosures for them. He, he earthbends paths, secluded areas, and other habitats. Um, and now families are coming to flock to the zoo. But then they find out that Aang actually accidentally wrangles people's pets with the bison whistle. <laughs> So he got some like domestic cats and like yeah. other variants in like zoo. Um, Zookeeper thanks Ang for helping him out, but advises him to stick with saving people rather than animals. And then that's the end of that story. I mean, compared to to Leaves from the Vine, this this was a this one was kind of very like, a very thank thankfully a good reprieve from all of that. Um, very lighthearted, but I mean, even so, still touching on things like environmentalism and you know how city zoos are like actually really terrible for animals and stuff like that but yeah mm-hmm. it's very good there we go well now on to Sokka's story uh this one's probably the shortest one in the show notes right now. it's like it's four bullet points 
it's like not uh, even well, like a page <laughs> exactly like Sokka Sokka's just wandering the streets aimlessly using his boomerang as a toy because like he hasn't really had to fight since you know you know since settling into bossing say mm-hmm. um he's just wandering the city aimlessly as the sun goes down he then stum- stumbles upon the 575 society they have a name uh which is a haiku class filled with beautiful girls and he just watches them with his dreamy expression in his eyes only to get accidentally shoved into the room by an ostrich horse can i explaining the yeah go for it can i i wanted to to point out that the reason he was so enamored by the haiku was that there they were talking about like the moon and silvery tears that's right like it was it was subtly reminding Uh, him of poetry yeah (laughs) yes oh that makes sense um but while he's explaining the incident to the girls, he accidentally rhymes in haiku. He says, I'm so, I am so sorry. Something struck me in the rear. I just wound up here. Uh, the girls are impressed. They're like, ooh. Impressed. <laughs> ooh. Accidentally. Uh, it does not impress the instructor at all. Uh, Sokka then joins this haiku battle with the instructor and they go back and forth for a while on this. I, I love like... I love the 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 drama and conflama of her like picking out like a plum from her hair because she used it in the haiku and then steps on it. <laughs> it's like, like the drama like the extra thing I've ever seen in the show. Like I love I, this is this is one of my favorite ones just because it made me laugh. Yeah. Um and like after he wins a few rounds, then he accidentally ends as a symbol to the final line of his like amazing slam down <laughs> and, and, and like the girls just like completely different people like they just lost all of the the joy they had a few like minutes ago and then after he counts the syllables realizes his mistake then the guard just throws him out literally just yeets the dude out of class <laughs> like i love that they have a bodyguard like for, for their poetry you... group so funny oh rich god. people man yeah oh my god um and then yeah it makes Sokka change his mind about liking poetry. And that's yeah. the end of his story. So, well, now on to Zuko's story. Uh, Zuko and Iroh are working in the tea shop. And Zuko tells his uncle that he thinks that this girl who's been coming to the shop a lot knows that they're Fire Nation. Iroh then points out, like, she likes you. Ooh. You know, it kind of has that kind of, like, maybe less elementary school. But that's kind of the vibe I was getting, at mm-hmm. least. Um, and then Jin, that's the name of the girl who likes Zuko, comes up and pays for her tea. And then asks him out. So good for her for making the first move. It's like um, it's like really... coffee shop AU. Like it's yeah. <laughs> I really accepts the date for Zuko. Yeah. Like he's like, oh, this boy's not gonna say anything. I'm gonna say I'm gonna I'm gonna get this. I'm gonna get this guy a date. Like this, he he needs he needs help. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Zuko then comes out of the tea shop later that night to meet with Jin with his hair plastered down on his head, which he later says takes ten took ten minutes for Iroh to just. Iro did him so dirty with this look. I'm sorry. Think... <laughs> he looks like he looks like. Do you remember that horror movie, The Boy? I'm I'm not really a horror movie fan, so I don't know. <laughs> well, listeners, he looked like The Boy. He looked like From The Boy. He looked like <laughs> Timothy Chalamet, but worse. He looked just just not good. Ouch. And I'm glad she fixed his hair. Personally, I think Iro did it on purpose. Like kind of gave him like a crack, gave him that look, just like well, it just like, like I think that would him. like soften him a little bit, and also to like possibly even make her like you know kind of laugh at it a little bit, you know, and then sure. you know, I think I think that was done on purpose, Still. or maybe he's just sweet and misguided. I don't I don't <laughs> care either way. She fixes his I hair for him, a, and it's okay. I think well, I, I don't know if when the last time I went on a date, but um, I think I think it was just like 
traditionally like misguided sort of hairstyle but it's fine she fixes it so she fixes she fixes there and they go out to dinner and while Jin tries to get to know him better Zuko's just not giving much info to work with <sighs> can I say this is the the animated embodiment of every single tinder conversation I've ever had oh boy <laughs> it's I was like I was like I'm like in the Ugh. sweats I'm like <laughs> I, rejo- so I rejoined Twitter. I, I rejoined Tinder for a hot minute, so you know, I got, it got to that point. I'm like, girl, try Hinge. You got to try Hinge. Okay, I was on Hinge for a while too, and like that, like I don't know, I don't know if dating apps are my thing though. That's like, I don't know. I'm also, ter- I'm just terrible with people in general. Like, That's fair. That's fair. And my dad's just, my dad's like, go to the Blue Moose. I've seen some girls there. Like, <laughs> you know, they're definitely gay. Go to the Blue Moose. I've seen like- some girls there. <laughs> They, look, they, were gay. Definitely a they little... look gay to my dad. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, dad. I guess. He, this guy, I shit you not, ever since he went to the Blue Moose that one time uh-huh. and saw someone who looked like a girl looked remotely queer, he's like, oh, you gotta go to the Blue Moose. Have you gone to the Blue Moose yet? Like, Jesus Christ, dad. <laughs> yeah. Bring your computer there, set yourself up, you got your rainbow stickers on your laptop, and just wait exactly. and see what happens. Exactly. That's my dad's dating advice. Yeah, come in there full, like, <laughs> gay just, like just feathers, show up, just like show a up. headdress just show up just show up in this outfit i'm wearing exactly. right now with my my rainbow my rainbow button up my you know rainbow heart bandana <sighs> like you know how many times <laughs> i actually did that though i would like i would like go to like starbucks or something and i'd like open my laptops like oh, it's got gay stickers on it i'm wearing like a gay beanie and i'm just like please notice me <laughs> exactly oh my god yeah. The things we do for well, love. The, the things, the thing. Well, you ended up getting, you ended up okay. You got a nice boyfriend. Got you Nintendo Switch for your birthday. You know, like. But all thanks to Hinge. That's why I recommended Hinge. Like, oh, it, I love their slogan. Is like the app, like meant to be deleted or something. And then when I went to delete it, I was like, "You fucking bitch!" Like, I see what you did. <laughs> Is this what you wanted? Is this what you wanted? <laughs> anyway, back to this yeah. very cringy date. Anyway. Uh, yeah, so the waiter then asked if, he and his, if Zuko and his girlfriend would care for dessert, to which Zuko loudly replied that she is not his girlfriend. As their date goes on, it's like abundantly clear that he's just not great with girls, and honestly, like, same. Uh, and uh, how, and then again, he's also just shows how isolated he's just been from people. So mm-hmm. he's, you know, how could you date when you're in exile, you know? Uh, he then makes up a story about how they were part of a traveling circus, but Jin asks for his backstory. Uh, and he lies and says that he's a juggler and tries to prove it, but you know he it's, he fails. He, he he attributes it to lack of practice. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, me. Um, Jin then takes him to her favorite place in the city, the Firelight Fountain, and she says that at night the fountain is usually lit by lanterns, and which causes the water to sparkle. But when they get there, the lamps are dark. But then Zuko asks her to close her eyes after checking that, to see that no one's around to see him. He then firebends and lights all of the lamps at the fountain. Like, that was super sweet. Like, I mean, super risky super move on risky, his part. yeah. But, like... Especially after the jet thing. Yeah. Like, the call is coming yeah. from inside the house, Zuko. Like... <laughs> but it's, you know, it's fine. I can it's still fine. say it's sweet. Yeah, so then, like, uh, she takes his hands and looks like they're about to kiss, but Zuko then holds up a coupon for free tea between them and gives it to her. Uh, 
The Vengeance asks him to close his eyes and she kisses him and he kisses her back a little bit, but then he breaks away and just leaves. Uh, but when Jin asks why, he just says that it's complicated and heads back to the tea house. I will never not be uncomfy watching two animated lips, lips. smash together. <laughs> and it's way too, and like, it's like a close up too. It's a close up. <laughs> like, I was like, I don't know if it, if it's because like, there's no like sound effect. I don't know yeah. if that would make like, it better like or t- worse. Like it's just, it's just like, and then that's it. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just like, it's, it's how, it's, it's just... how, it's how, it's how they do. Like, it's, it, honestly, it kind of reminds me of when like two straight women uh, play lesbians and have to kiss in movies. Literally. Yes. That's it. A... <laughs> yes. Zuko like... is, is our, our resident lesbian. <laughs> <laughs> I, I bet there's a drag king out there that has done some Zuko look. Honestly, I, I kind of need that now. Yeah. I, need, I, need a I mean, drag come on, Kayla, Zuko. let's go. <laughs> Okay. Okay. I'm not sure if I could pull that off, honestly. Like most of my most of my drag is just foolishness, and I don't think I'd fit that for Zuko. It's not your brand. It's okay. <laughs> it's not my brand. My brand is glittery foolishness. Oh my god. But anyway, um, he runs back to the apartment, and when Ira asks how the date went, he just slams the door. But then he reopens it and says it was nice, and then just closes the door gently. Like <sighs> this. Oh my god. I I love this part of season two where they're just trying to be humble tea makers working at a tea shop. And I want everything in my being like for them to just live out this life. And I think that's the point that it's to show you like, this is what Zuko could have if it weren't for like, not only his banishment, but all the things that he's holding himself back from, you know, Mm. like he says, like he's not there to make a life. You know, and this episode makes you question, well, why not? You know, you got a job, you got an apartment and you could you could have a girlfriend, you know. So it's like, even though it's going to all turn out in the end, it just kind of makes you, again, sympathize with Zuko, which the the show has been making you do since almost the beginning of season one. So it just makes him, again, a much more interesting character, you know, because we usually see him as. As the antagonist. The antagonist, but also like ruthless, pretty confident with his firebending, like apart from the insecurities that Azula um gives him. But like we never see him this like awkward or like vulnerable or even like mm-hmm. kissing a girl or doing something nice for someone. <laughs> like yeah. even at that point, you know. So I don't know, it's just there's mm. again a lot of things going on. But I really I really love this is probably one of my favorite little tales from this episode. Oh, yeah, that was, that was really sweet. And I got nothing else to say on that, so let's just move on to Momo. Momo gets his own story, like, he's... <laughs> then again, it makes sense, because Appa gets his own story in the next episode, so everyone gets a story. You get, get a story, you get a story, you get a story. <laughs> I kept watching these being like, Osaka, okay, that's the last one. Oh, wait, yeah, Zuka gets one, this is the last one. Oh, I forgot Momo gets one, this is the last one. <laughs> yeah, you know. I never, I had never watched, I, like, I, I, I don't know if I mentioned this, but, like, literally I stopped after watching Sokka's. Uh, I think it's like Sokka. No, I watched Top of Watching Zuko. I'm sorry. So I watched yeah. Zuko, and then I was like, okay, that's it. I don't have anything else to see. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I think I did skip Eggs, though. Yeah, I definitely did. I don't remember watching Eggs at all. Yeah. Anyway, Momo is having a dream that he and Appa are eating peaches in the clouds. Uh, the dream gets interrupted by thunder, and Momo hides in Sokka's bag where he finds a clump of Appa's fur. That's the right word to refer to Appa's fur, right? Clumps of it? Yes. Or. <laughs> uh, after seeing an Appa-like shadow on the ground, similar to how Aang experienced in the desert with like seeing mm-hmm. Cloud thinking it's Appa, um, 
He then wraps the fur around his wrist and takes off after it, only to find the cloud and later a cherry tree that reminds him of Appa. So, like, he misses Appa, too. Aww. Um, Momo then starts searching through the city for his friend. After stopping for water, he then gets chased by some pygmy pumas. That's that's the official name of it, according to Avatar Wiki. Um, Momo escapes and then lands in the middle of a street performance and (laughs) gets mistaken for a dancing monkey. And gets, like, he improvises his way through a performance. And, like, the music that usually plays in, like, moments up to, like, some mischief is playing. Like, you know, you know what I'm talking about, yes, right? Yes, like, I guess, <laughs> and I love it. It was, this was so funny. So he ends up improvising his way through. Uh, and he does a good job. Good for him. But then the cat, and then, like, the pygmy pumas, the cats, whatever. I'm going to refer to them as cats from now on. Uh, chase Mo out of the performer's circle and pin him to the ground. But then all four of them get captured by this animal control officer. The four animals are then brought to a butcher and the man that captures them begins ha- haggling with the owner. When you actually just see Momo's perspective, because like it doesn't sound like they're saying anything because he doesn't speak English. Yes. It's like. <laughs> yes. Yes. I'm convinced this is how all pets hear us when we talk. Because yeah, all Momo makes... is is just a slightly more sentient kitty. You know? Yeah. And I love it. Like the <laughs> the extremely, extremely rapid heart rate and like the like the wide like lens. Yeah. yeah and also like i mean you see a similar perspective when like qatar asks him for water in the <laughs> yes. episode when like they're yes. they're both sick you know uh so then like momo feels like it's a momo is a momo escapes from the cage uh because you know yeah opposable thumbs i guess yeah. uh and then feels bad for leaving the, pum- the puma's cats whatever behind so he frees them and they all become best friends and they hang out on the roof of a building together and like you know they're all they're all chums now mm-hmm. uh but then one of the cats removes the fur that's been that momo has on his leg or his arm or something and they they start running like the, the cats just start running down an alleyway the cats then stop and place the fur in a large three-toed footprint in the street which was made by appa who else um momo then notices the print as he lands in it he curls on top of the tata fur and falls asleep and starts thinking about his friend again as rain starts to fall <sighs> like jesus hmm. christ and this is a great segue into the next one <laughs> jesus christ yeah now now, <sighs> now i i understood why they they put this one last because it kind of does dovetail into abba's last days but yeah. Let's think it let's talk about I mean this episode in general. I mean, we have talked about filler episodes with like The Great Divide. Um yeah. and I noticed that each season kind of has one the third the third season being like I I would say like the Ember Island players, but um yeah. but again it's, it's like their, it's their version of a clip show. Right, but again what we see what we see happen is while there there is very minimal like plot movement there's so much character stuff going on, which is again what a good filler is supposed to do. You know, mm-hmm. like it it's not necessarily like consequential to like the big plot at large, but it does inform a lot of the character dynamics moving forward. You know? Mm-hmm. So I there's just even though like like Aang and Sokka's in particular seem like a little even like not a whole lot of character stuff going on there, you know, there still is like you just get to see these characters like do different things that they don't normally away do. from away from away from like their other gang members exactly know, like, like isolated from everyone else so like you they they just act in, in... with the exception of Toph and Katara everyone else separated from their usual group of people you know well yeah well I would say even with Katara and Toph we don't see them like the two of them alone separated from Without the group fighting. very often 
you know, yeah. apart from the the last episode where they sneak into the the Earth Kingdom party, but even then, we're still kind of like we're following the gang as they go in together. But um, yeah, I just there's there's just a lot. Of, I wasn't expecting a whole lot from from this episode, particularly when I started watching it, because again, I don't remember a whole lot of it. Um, but at the end of the day, like I think I think I'm very very glad that this episode ended up making its way into the season. Because it does again inform a lot of what the characters are are thinking, feeling, that sort of thing. So, yeah. yeah. So do you have a do you have like a top three? There's six episodes. Top three. I'll hold up three fingers this time. <laughs> I would say, um, Zuko and Iros are are probably the most interesting to me, and I'm gonna mm-hmm. say Toph and Guitars because I just like seeing them together, and and just be vibing getting their spa day and just having a good time together. I'm going to agree with you on the Zuko and Iroh thing, but I'm going to put Sokka's, even though like, it's technically like not really character development-y. I just, I just love the haiku battle so much. Yeah. Like I just, <laughs> it brings joy to my heart. So that, that's yeah. my top three. <laughs> awesome. Well, we are going to move on to 216, Appa's Lost Days, or as I like to call it, Appa Alone. But before we do that, we have to go to break for a quick ad read. We will see you after that. All right, and we're back. So let's go into 216, Appa's Lost Days. Uh, we backtrack to four weeks ago to the library episode, just as the Sandbenders have stolen Appa. Uh, they ransack the gang's saddle, and they end up selling Appa to some beetle merchants. Um, and they attempt to restrain him, but just as they do so, Aang blows his bison whistle, and Appa tries to fly away to him, but not before he's taken out with a sheer shoe poison dart. Um, just as he's like sort of like losing consciousness, we see like the giant mushroom cloud that Aang kicks up uh, out of frustration. And we also hear like the merchants being like, we can sell him for parts. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> excuse me. It's dark. Yeah, very dark. That, is, that um, is dark as hell. So Appa wakes up to find himself in a cage along with some other animals when a circus tamer comes in and says that he intends to break Appa's will to get him to obey him. Um, and as the teamer cool. demonstrates how Appa will earn his food, the bison airbends some cabbages into his mouth. And furious, the teamer brandishes a fire whip at him, causing Appa to panic. This will end up being um, pretty significant with the episode going forward. Um, before the circus performance, however, a young Fire Nation boy sees Appa try and steal some food. So he sneaks inside the tent to help him until the animal tamer returns with his boss, who pressures him to put Appa in tonight's performance even though the tamer says he's stubborn and he's not ready. Uh, the tamer warns him to perform well or he will regret it. So he introduces Appa as the wind buffalo. And Appa comes out in this like this terrible costume and this garish makeup. And the tamer makes him fly through these hoops of fire. But his costume catches on one of the rings and knocks out the tamer. Um, the audience laughs. And as Appa lands, he sees the boy that helped him earlier. And it sort of flashes between him and Aang laughing. Um, and this is like one of the f- like couple flashbacks in this episode that again really hits you in the gut. Because is the little boy uh isn't also the little boy who um you know the little boy in this audience is he also voiced by the same person who voices Aang? Because I think he is. Um, he sounds like him. Possibly. Um let me check the Avatar wiki because that probably will be in the trivia. Yeah, it is. Yeah, he's Zach Tyler uh, Eisen, who voices Aang, is also credited as additional voices. So I'm assuming, yes, that he also voices the little boy, um, which is a good, it's a it's a nice touch. Um, uh, let's see. 
just to check the tri- it, not, it doesn't say anything of the trivia, but I'm just gonna go ahead and say yes, that is true. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I think that is definitely done on purpose or for budget, whatever. Um, either way, it it still works Win-win. very well. So yeah, uh, it it flashes between him and Aang laughing. So this propels Appa to shake off the costume and escape the circus. We see the bison return to where the library tower once stood, but now there is only a hole in the ground as the tower was sunken beneath the sand by Wang Shitong. Um, he travels across the desert in search of food, and he ends up running into not only some uh, cactus juice, um, but into the hive of buzzard wasps that the gang encountered, and he ends up fighting off the wasps. Um, covered in honey, he's dirty, he's tired, and he finds a nearby farm where he wanders into the barn, eats some hay, and drifts off to sleep in exhaustion. So it's actually kind of interesting how he will continue to do this through the episode, but he is also kind of tracking where the gang have like been like going through these past couple of episodes, including like mm-hmm. Bossing Say and the Serpent's Pass. Um so it's almost like in a way Oppa's like trying to track him, you know. Um and we don't really know like if if Oppa if like Air Bison have like um like tracking abilities in terms of like scent. I know there later on we do, we do get not the re, not the reveal but the the thing that him and Aang share a very similar energy and a very like spiritual bond. So maybe it's he's just going. I mean, off of he that. is Aang's like spirit guide. The Gavatar has a spirit guide. Usually, is not more of an animal. Right. So. Right. Um. So we cut to Appa and he's having a dream of him in his years at one of the air temples as a younger bison. In Airbender, I so I, I I was like, oh, that's Avatar Yang Chen. I'm like, Aang's right there. That cannot be <laughs> Avatar Yang Chen. Um, so it's the baby, the baby Air Bison are so cute, though. I know, and I love that we get more of them in Korra. Um, I know, oh but God. the so the Airbender offers some of the children some apples to feed the bison, and and she tells them that they they you know they they stick to their person for life. Um, so Aang approaches uh, baby Appa and hands him the apple, to which Appa happily takes it before pushing the young airbender over and licking his face as he laughs. The scene then switches to Aang sleeping with the group during the Surface Pass episode, who is having the exact same dream as Appa. Um, I was also going to say this. Aang looks maybe like six or seven, right? He's like He looks pretty young, which means Appa went from baby Appa to like full-grown Appa in like six years. Well, I mean, like, I guess animals, like, age differently, you know, like... Right, but, like, for, for bite, I mean, it, it's like dogs, too. Like, they, they also age pretty quickly, so, but, like, but does that also mean, like, he doesn't last very long, like, after the show ends as well? Like... Don't make me think about that! I don't need that! No! That's not cool, man! I don't need that! That's no! All I was you should not have put that thought in my head! You should have kept that to yourself! That's I don't the one know. thing you should not share. I don't know how long Air Bison like live. I don't know if that's a. But I mean, canon. we see we see like well, we see Ugi with um you know Tenzin and he's you know like. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know when Tenzin like picked that Bison though. Um, oh, that's just a regular Bison. Not. <laughs> it's that it's that the average lifespan for a Bison is ten to twenty years, but that's just a regular Bison. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think it's ever. I don't think, at least in the shows, I don't think it's ever stated. But, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's fine. We'll just, we'll just, we'll just not think about that. (laughs) Yeah, don't think about it. No. So Appa is is woken up from this dream by from this dream by the owner of the farm, who thinks Appa is some kind of monster. Um, he starts brandishing this torch, and this like freaks out Appa because it reminds him of the the tamer who brandished the fire whip at him. 
And so he flies away from the farm. And as he flies, we see that Iroh spots the bison in the sky on the ferry to Bossing Say. Um, he gasps and he wakes up Zuko, who asks if there's something out there, to which Iroh replies that it's nothing and for him to go back to sleep. So uh, this is a very, very, like, very cool little moment in this episode. Um, because, again, it, it's just showing that Iroh is trying to get Zuko away from that objective and, like, just trying mm-hmm. to push him into a better life. Like, that's all he's trying to do in this half of the season. Um, Appa once again settles down somewhere, and before he can even get a chance to rest, he gets attacked by a porcupine. Which um, I think is probably one of the coolest names for the animal combinations that we've heard in exactly, this entire show. Yeah, tor- totally. Um, the two animals battle it out, and Appa manages to scare off the creature, but Appa has sustained some injuries. He's got some, like, quills stuck in his, in his, um, in his body. Um, tired and hurt, the bison rests inside some sort of ruin, and he stays there for what seems like days. Um, and then we see the Kyoshi warriors, who are foraging for some food in the forest, accompanied by Suki. Um, Suki finds a trail of Appa's fur, which she immediately recognizes, so she follows the clumps of fur and finds Appa inside the ruin that he had won from the porcupine. Um, Appa is extremely skittish and terrified of Suki, um, and she lays down some fruit for him to eat as she leaves to go get help. She returns with the other Kyoshi warriors, who who she says, like, it's their mission to make sure Appa returns safely to Aang, um, and just to, like, you know keep their distance because he's obviously very like traumatized um so they approach appa and suki tries to get the bison to recognize her and at the mention of ang the bison relents and they have like a little spa day so they clean them all up they get the the quills out of his body um and he's just all clean and treated from his wounds and everything seems to be looking up a final bright spot in this episode until we hear that very (laughs) ominous yet very familiar theme music ozai's angels led by azula descend on the scene the Kyoshi warriors defend Appa, turning their fans into shields. Um, and Which the, is so cool. It's so cool. I also realized that this probably... I don't know. Do you think this happened after the drill or before the drill? I think... I think this is before the drill. I think Because it's... they aren't... But like, what, what, would they, what would they be doing in the forest, you know? I think it's after the drill after. because Suki leaves the gang... Right as they get out of the Serpent's Pass, and right, then they okay. immediately yeah. they immediately now hit the drill. Sense. So I think it, I think sense. this is after the drill. Um, that makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, turn their fans into shields. Super cool. Um, and Azula, Azula says, "What are you, the Avatar's fangirls?" And Tylee's like, "Oh, good one." I'm like, "What?" <laughs> Fan. I I understand, but I was just like, "That's it's just funny to me." Um, a lot. <laughs> One of the many funny one-liners that the girls get, Ozai's angels get in this episode. Um, Suki tells Azula I love that, that you were sticking with the with Ozai's angels. I love that it's stuck. We're going with we're it. We're going with it's it. Murky. We're going with it. All thanks to you. I love it. Um, it's just a good shorthand. Um, Suki tells Azula that the Avatar is not with them or with Appa, and even so, to Azula, any friend of the Avatar is an enemy to her. So the trio attack the Kyoshi warriors, and while May and Lee, uh, May and Tai Lee defeat their opponents. With these quippy one-liners, you're so colorful, it's making me nauseous, and you're not prettier than we are. <laughs> Which I kind of hated that. I kind of like, hated it like, too. It was like, I'm like, this is not, this is, this is, this is rancid. This is rancid one-liners here. I don't. I mean, like the 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 main not one rancid. is fine. The Tylee like one it. is like, okay, <laughs> it's just a little, it's a little weird. Um, I don't really, I didn't really like it, but 
Yeah. Suki takes on Azula, who notices that Appa is rightly afraid of fire. Um, Suki tells the bison to fly away as she engages with Azula, who delivers her, her quippy one-liner, which is, don't you know fans just make flames stronger? Ugh. That made me cringe. I'm sorry. The season, the scene transitions as the two continue to fight. Yeah, I don't know who was uh, writing this episode. Um, but um, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Uh, (laughs) Appa wanders alone. I mean, it's a great episode, but this dialogue is kind of questionable. Um, Mm -hmm. Appa wanders alone once again. My God, can't say that. And we see him fly over a small fleet of water tribe ships, and we see a man stare wide at 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 the bison, which we know that this is Hakoda. But I realize, like, this is the first time we actually see him, so we're not quite meant That's to know right. who it is. That's right, we haven't gotten there yet. Yeah, so this is this is really cool. Just, again, a little, little example of world building, like, you'll meet this character later, that sort of thing. Kind of how they did with Azula um, in the Storm episode. Like, she's there, but she's not quite significant just yet. So Appa, uh, seemingly following his memories, returns to the Eastern Air Temple... Um, as he wanders through the temple, he sees a man meditating at the edge of a cliff. He thinks that it's Aang, so he tackles him and realizes that it is not his friend. The man who calls him Guru Patik uh, understands that he is not the person Appa expected, and he just simply lies back and like kind of like lets Appa be comfortable to his presence. Um, and eventually, night settles in and Appa falls asleep. The Guru comes over and sort of touches Appa and sort of reads his energy. And he remarks that, Appa is so full of love and trust despite the hurt and betrayal he's felt recently. But at the same time, fear is moving in where trust should be. Um, He also tells of how he had a vision of Aang and Appa years prior and decided to come to the Eastern Air Temple and wait for the two. Uh, So this is really interesting. I mean, we're also, Group Atika is also going to be a very important character um, later on in the season. But I forgot this part where he had like a vision of seeing Aang and Appa come to the temple. So that's really interesting. Um, He leaves Appa to rest, saying how Appa must let the clouds in his mind part and be at peace. Um, The next morning, Appa finds some fruit, which the guru left him to eat. And then the guru gives Appa a note, which he he ties to his horn and proceeds to tell the bison about how much his energy and and his energy and Aang's are intertwined. And as he tells Appa this, he puts his hand on, on Appa's forehead and tells the bison where to find Aang. Um, very, and we see like kind of like the the way like how the swamp connected people. We see like the same sort of animation kind of happen, and we also see this in Korra as well. And it's just like so. It's, so it's like it's not only just like the swamp that can do this. Like it depends on like the the spiritual connection uh, between. And Appa did return to where he met Aang as well, where that connection was forged. Um, so it's a really, really awesome touch here. And then Appa flies off and he's heading to Bossing Say. Um, so as he enters the city, two daily agents are seen spying from the rooftops, which is not a good sign. Uh, he continues to fly around until he suddenly hears something. Um, and that's something being the bison whistle that Aang has. And he lands in the city where deep in the shadows, he sees a man blowing a whistle. And this is also very ominous too, because we also cut to Aang sleeping with the bison whistle next to him so we know that it's not him um the man is revealed to be long fang and with a quick earthbending move he captures appa underground leaving only a single footprint in the mud the same footprint that we see in momo's tail and that is the end of the episode i actually skipped this episode the first time i watched the series (laughs) did you really like i i did i did because it was too sad or you didn't care i 
Because mm. I just like, I just like, uh, this doesn't seem like a super important episode at the time. And now people are going to come after me with pitchforks, but whatever. Like, I didn't think it was that important of an episode. So I kind of just skipped it uh-huh. uh, and moved on to the next one. So uh, sorry, y'all. I guess I'm not a true Avatar fan if I haven't seen all the episodes <laughs> in the first sitting. But I, but yeah, like I just, I'd never seen this episode before. So I'm like, hey, new Atla episode for me. <laughs> like, I mean... I mean, again, I wouldn't call this a filler episode because it does show us a very, like, important moment with Appa. But mm-hmm. if you were trying to, like, speed run the Avatar series, I would be like, if you just watch the previously on, you'll be fine. You know, there's a lot yeah. of extra goodies in this episode. But yeah, whether or not he had met the guru before Aang did, you know. Right. I think the previously on Avatar would have caught you up well enough. Um, and also, like, you get to see how, like, Suki was captured by... Exactly. You know. So, and, and so at, at the same token, I don't know if, if it's good to skip this episode, you know. But I don't know. Um, maybe I mean, a, a brief really, synopsis. I, mean, like, I gotta say, though, I didn't really need to know, like, specific... I mean, it, like, you know, like, I mean, it made sense that Azula captured Suki Some you know, mm-hmm. somehow they ran into each other and she captured her. So... It was a good episode, though. I mean, it definitely put me through the emotional ringer of seeing Appa just get, like, hit over and over again with, well, like, all of these, like, traumatic things, like, you know, yeah. especially for a character that can't speak, you know, like, the main character of this episode is someone who can't speak, like, a human, so you have to really rely on, like, the animator's ability to show you exactly how he's feeling, just seeing him be all, especially when Suki finds him, that yeah. hurt, just seeing him, like, you know, in pain and scared. Like, we've yeah. never seen Abba like this, quite like this before, you know? No, I think it's, uh, while while it, we can consider this, like, I guess filler, it, it makes the emotional payoff of them reuniting way more impactful. I think- Absolutely. While it was hard to see Appa go through all of this, I think it it's worth it because of the emotional payoff when he does reunite with Aang. But I also just like seeing, I love when TV shows do, do this, where they show- the events of an episode from another perspective, um, especially with like the desert and the mushroom cloud thing. Like I always love shit mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think, I think it is, I, I think it is an important episode because I think this is the episode that makes us really, really, really fall in love with Appa. Like we, we've had, we, we've loved him like all the way through, but like first time watchers might feel like kind of like whatever he's, he's like cute, but this is where we like grow that emotional attachment because we really feel for him, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm revising my answer. Maybe you shouldn't skip this episode if you're trying to do a speed run. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. A very, a really, really great episode in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. So what do we got for the bell counter? Cause we so, did have a few in that episode. Yes. Uh, none for tales of the bossing state, but we did get three for Appa's lost days slash Appa alone. So let's hear it for three Azula bells. And now that brings our counter to 24. We're mm. getting there. I love it. Yeah, All right. That's a lot. That's a lot of them. So let's move uh, on to, to Phantom Corner. We got a double whammy um, just yes, to make because it. because we had a, we had a to, lot of emotional trauma. To reward ourselves, yes. <laughs> for, for getting through two emotionally jarring episodes. So one of them, actually, Robert, my brother, made. He is our official meme maker, the meme <laughs> supreme. Um, so he, like, I was on the phone with him literally right before we recorded this episode. And I'm like, oh, we're recording this episode. And I told him that, you know, we were doing, you know, the leaves for the vine and, you know, Appa alone. Obviously not the world episode titles, but let's face it, it's what everyone calls it. 
Um, and so it's like the car, uh, the car salesman meme where it's like, you know, this can fit so much blank in it. So it's like slaps the roof, roof of show. It's got a picture of, uh, uh, you know, the Avatar, like, cover. Season, the season it's one a, cover, yeah. Yeah, and it's, uh, this bad boy can fit so much pain and emotional trauma in it. <laughs> <laughs> Which is true. Yeah. Very true for this episode. And now this one just made me crack up every single time I see it. It's from an old Tumblr post, it looks like, because <laughs> it just keeps showing up in Avatar Facebook groups, and I just wanted to share it. Um, no, so you're like, no, wrote, you're like, the format seems, um, 2015-era Tumblr, 2015. so obviously. Yeah, actually, it is. <laughs> <laughs> no you try you try to hide it you're like it just keeps showing up in groups a lot i'm like no girl you oh. clocked you clocked every single thing about this format and you said no this is old tumblr <laughs> yeah because i've been on tumblr since i've been i was in middle school i've been on, on tumblr since at least 2012 i know so you're a tumblr I'm, correspondent because i i haven't stepped I in those waters in quite a while <laughs> tumblr is an interesting place to be uh but so one person wrote, I get that being frozen for 100 years is a tough thing to get through, but honestly, Aang should have used it for comedy more. And then one person, so then she wrote like, uh, kind of like the quote post format. It's like, Katara, wow, so this is a mashu. Aang's like, back in my day, it was called Reed City. And Sokka's like, I'm pretty sure it wasn't. And then Aang's like, that's what the Fire Nation wants you to think. <laughs> and then, huh. and then it cuts to Boomy the second they arrive. Welcome to Weed City. <laughs> and then Sokka's like, what the fuck? <laughs> So like, uh, yeah, so I definitely stupid. should use it for comedy more. Like, welcome to Weed City. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to Weed City. Like you that's how that's what I job. imagine. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know what else he could use it for with the the. I mean, they, I mean the Flamio Hotman thing definitely. But uh, you know, we see that in the Footloose. Was that Footloose episode when he the Flamio Hotman? Yeah, I well, out? I think, think any time they went to an air temple, he could have just made like the most outlandish shit, and there would be no one to correct him. Yeah, you know, like. <laughs> oh my god! So that that that's our fandom corner for the week. I hope you enjoyed that. If you'd like to send us some fandom corner content, we will give you our inf- our social media information towards the end of the episode. We'd love to hear more from like all of you. If you find good memes yeah. or good theories, we would love to talk about it on the show. So make sure you send those in if you find something cool. Yeah, definitely. And we'll up. say thank you, of course. <laughs> of course, of course. We love talking to our fans. So, how about our recommendations for the week? All right. Well, my weekly recommendation is going to be laptop stickers specifically just just get the most i love getting laptop stickers that that signals so many things about me like it's my calling card like i want people to know that i am an okay person to talk to so i'm going to show for our patreon supporters uh i'm going to show you guys what's on my laptop so let's turn this bad baby around so i got all of these most of these off of of redbubble um, Probably, I, are, I was obsessed with that freshman year. Yes, they have great, great stickers for a very low price. So, of course, we've got some Schitt's Creek ones right here. Um, we've got the Moon Tarot because I love the Moon and I love Tarot. Got a WandaVision sticker here. Um, yes. We have a sticker from one of my all-time favorite shows, Penny Dreadful. Um, we have a Bianca Del Rio's classic, Baloney, um, from season six of Snatch Game on uh, RuPaul's Drag Race, I think. Obviously, yep. Trixie and Katya. And these two I got from one of our listeners, um, Combustion Ma'am. Um, so this is uh, LG, and then there's a B that says, OMG, I'm the B, and then a T. Um, so and then there's a Toph one here that I put in, because um, I love Toph. 
um, and I yeah. love avatars. So I need to get I need to get more avatar stuff on my laptop. Like, how can I rec- literally record an avatar podcast on my freaking laptop and not have an avatar sticker? I used to have a Kurosami one on my older one. Yeah. Uh, but that pooped the bed a few week, uh, a few months ago. So, uh, here I'm just gonna look at my own because I'm recording this on my laptop. So hold on one second. Okay, so I got uh, Jinx and Dela from the Jinx and Dela Holiday Special. It's Jinx Monsoon and Ben de la Creme mm-hmm. uh, from Drag Race. I got a Space Gay. I have a Reed College of Media sticker. I have All Are Welcome. I have uh, Y'all Belong Here, Morgantown Pride, and uh, Y'all Means All. And then a stick- another sticker from, uh, from Hot Topic that's Anxiety. It's a cup of tea that looks anxious. It's very nice. Cute. <laughs> I need to go on to Redbubble though and get some more stickers. Like, yeah, they have. I had stuff. an obsession. I had an obsession with like laptop stickers and freshman year. I had so many on my old laptop. I I never partook, but people were giving me stickers as gifts, and I had nothing to put it on. So I was like, I might as well just put it on my laptop. Um, and now I love it. So so cute. Um, well, mine is kind of in a similar vein, but it's more so Etsy. Um, so I have these earrings on for our patrons. You can see I'm wearing these red electric guitar earrings. Uh, they're dangly and they're fun. Um, I got them from the electric cat shop on Etsy. Uh, they're based in Pittsburgh and they have a bunch of really cool, uh, earrings and other forms of jewelry. They, I have this necklace. looks like an old timey TV. Um, I have another set of earrings actually right here. I haven't opened them yet, but they look like knives. Oh, worth it. I'm scary. I think these would be, I think I think May would personally like these earrings. Ooh. Like, got knives on them. So I got I, love that. I got I got the knives earrings. And they also have like one of my favorites, which I want to get someday, uh, when I have more money, uh, is these ones that looks like uteruses, but they're giving the bird. Like they're flipping the person off. And I like uh, I want I want these uterus earrings now. <laughs> uterus hello, I am uterus earrings. I love that. Uterus earrings flipping the person off. Like it's even funnier. <laughs> like I think that is so cool. So yeah, Electric Cat on Etsy. Uh, go awesome. check them out. Awesome. Cool. All righty. Well, if you need some more Avatar Hour in your life, don't forget to subscribe to our exclusive Patreon at patreon.com slash the Avatar Hour podcast. And if you'd like to send us feedback about the show or send in submissions for Fandom Corner, we will give credit if you send us stuff on Fandom Corner. So if you want to get a shout out on the show, send us stuff. Um, you can also email us at the Avatar Hour Podcast at gmail.com or you can reach us on Facebook and Instagram at the Avatar Hour Podcast or on Twitter at Avatar Hour. Yes, and this week on our Patreon for our $5 Air Acolyte tier, um, we will be coming back with our flagship benefit, Avatar After Hour. And this time around, we will be <laughs> showing each other um, a PowerPoint presentation of if Twitter fancasted a live action Avatar series. And I, for one, cannot wait to show Kayla mine. Um, and I, I, I did a test run on my brother. He hates it. And that means I did a good job. Yes. <laughs> yes. We have not seen each other. So we're going to be getting our fresh reactions. So again, if you want to watch <laughs> us do that, that is available on patreon.com slash the Avatar Hour podcast at the $5 Air Acolyte tier. Um, we also have a $1 and $3 level for um, exclusive benefits. And you can always change the amount that you want to donate each month. Um, but yeah, definitely check us out there. Um, and that's it for this episode. We've got two more episodes covering season two of Avatar The Last Airbender. And Crazy. four more episodes in total for the rest of the season. Um, the last two are like a bit of a surprise. Um, so we'll let you guys know that once June comes around. Um, but yeah, until next time, my name is Andre. And I'm Kayla. Bye, everyone. See you soon. Bye.